0: Hello! Uh, welcome to All the Way Down 11? 11. I'm Dash. and am Nox. Uh, and yeah, Nox is here too. Uh, man, the retro game market uh, has been going
1: nuts lately, it seems like, um, in kind of a concerning way. Recently I noticed that my copy of, uh, my PlayStation 1 copy of Castlevania Symphony of the Night has dropped about, or I'm sorry, not dropped, uh, grown about $100? Like, uh, okay, so it's Castlevania Symphony of the Night, right? One of the most iconic games ever. Probably the most um, recognizable Castlevania game to any of the fans. It's, I think I bought my copy for I'm sorry, it was about seventy dollars so, or seventy seventy dollars or so. I bought it for the green label copy, and then the shop I bought it from. I went in there like two weeks later, and sure enough, they had a black label copy, and I was like, "I'm not one of these people," but god damn it, this is making me one of these people because the green label copies of PS One games are actually kind of hideous if you're a, if you're a shelf snob like I am, and uh, I was like, "Oh," so it stayed there black label copy stayed there. I came back the following weekend with my green label copy, traded it in, um, and I think I added like 20 or 30 bucks to it in the value, and they gave me the black label copy. So I was like, fuck yeah. So, But that was like 80 bucks. 80 bucks, and it's now almost $170 uh, as per price charting's complete in box uh, price, uh, which is a volume of one sale per day. So this is happening frequently. This is not like an uncommon sale occurrence.
0: Yeah, so I actually bought m- my copy of Symphony of the Night. I only got like a like a a month or so ago, and yeah, I think it was about one fifty at that point. Holy uh, shit! M- maybe it was a little more than a month. Um,
1: I think mine was like last year. It's not long ago.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, PS One actually kind of seems like the thing that like as we speak right now is going nuts. Uh, really? Like yeah, like Persona Two. I got um. Well, Persona 2 I got like now like 5 years ago uh and now it's like or, or I I got it for 60 bucks. Um now it's like 500 or oh something. Oh my god. Uh and and but I mean that that one I got a long time ago though, but like Valkyrie Profile <coughs> I bought 2 years ago for for 150 or 135, something like that. And that one is also in like the 4 or 500 now.
1: So, um, yeah, the, I'm looking at P- Revelations Persona. It's not Persona 2, but this is the one I had my eye on. This is mm-hmm. the first Persona game on PS1 by Atlus. Uh, in 2020, the price was $202.50 in February. I'm looking at its current price. It is at $423.45. So, yeah. in one year, the price has doubled, yeah, which is the and- same that happened to Castlevania. What is going on?
0: So, be it, besides PS One, I've also been noticing this kind of stuff like on GameCube. Um, but yeah, it, it like with PS One, you really notice it with uh, with those games. And when I say those games, you know, like uh, are generally RPGs. <laughs> uh, like Tales of Destiny is another one that's gone up a ton. Um, the,
1: lo- the low print weeb shit, essentially. Yeah,
0: yeah. But uh, <laughs> y- you're right though that like r- it's like what's going on. Lately, um, it it really seems like the hugest boom has been in the last two years, maybe even just the last one year, which kind of lines it up with like pandemic-y kind of stuff. But I don't know if that's the whole story. Um, I feel like maybe that was like a push, right? But uh, I don't. It's it's kind of hard to speculate on because I don't really know um, what the what the recent surge is all about. It's uh, definitely
1: it, all within 2020, 2020 uh, God, sorry, 2020's time span. Um, mm-hmm. I, feel, I feel like it's mostly due to people being bored, like kind of the same reason. Look, this is, this is in no way comparable, but like the same reason you see lumber prices going out through the roof. Uh, actually, worse example, the same reason you saw home, like home improvement stores just having generally more activity. Because people were bored at the start of the pandemic, and they're like, "Why? Well, shit, the housing market's kind of going crazy. Why don't I just start? Why do just start fucking planting some shit around here? You know, like why don't I make it look nicer around here and possibly see what kind of price we can get?" So, home improve like the the prices of lumber like that's kind of the meme right now, where the price of lumber is through the roof because people are just trying to sell their houses like crazy. So, mm. but it's like, it, it, is that boredom though? Is that boredom? Is can it apply to the retro gaming market? Is it? Hey, people are bored so they're playing more video games, or is it? Hey, people are bored so they're they're on the internet a lot more and they're learning a lot more about the retro gaming community.
0: Right, and that's kind of what I meant with like it it being kind of a push, uh, which is that like yeah, I, I do think part of it is that people are home more now, you know, and so they want to play video games and a lot. I I think a lot of people are are rediscovering old games but also uh, also I think because of a lot of the advancements lately in like getting old games to work on modern hardware or or uh, that kind of stuff yeah I, it definitely seems like just more people are interested in retro games now and it kind of seems like people have more expendable income to, to put on games because they're not using it elsewhere you know they got that uh, sick dogecoin money <laughs> right like uh, there's there's a lot of factors but it's it's just been nuts. I mean I I don't have a ton to say about it because right I I don't know like what the what the reasons are. But I do. Um well, super... n- maybe not a ton.
1: Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. It, it, it's, I, I was off. just
0: it's just super interesting that uh that like as someone who's been buying like steadily buying retro games for the last several years Suddenly, it, like it, it, seems like prices are just out of control. You know?
1: Yeah, I think that's a lot to do with it. It's just the the prices are driving the the drive for other products. Like, you, you, I I can only imagine ever drives have gone up a little bit too, both in um, demand and cost. Honestly, because the. <laughs> let's be honest, who's going to pay $500 for a game that, in all honesty, might have a little bit of disc rot? You know? Right. Disc-based mm-hmm. games don't last forever. Who is going to pay more than PS4 prices for a game that you can emulate for free? And mm-hmm. will likely not have wasted money doing so. And I'm not, I'm not ragging on people who buy physical copies. Obviously, I'm in that same boat, and I imagine a lot of people listening to this podcast are probably in the same boat. My whole thing is, I want to buy games that I love. Like, when it comes to, okay, I, I guess I should say the default state I wish it was, was I explore around, I find a game that catches my fancy, I play it, I, I, I bond with it, I love it, I beat it, I go, oh my god, that was a whole emotional experience I'm not connected to. Now, I kind of want to be like, uh, well, this is badass, what do I have to show for it? I want the fucking game. I want to put it on my shelf. I want to go, hey, I beat that. That's beautiful. You should play that. If you want to play it, I can pop it in right now. We can do this. You don't have to go through some complicated website, go to some backwards Russian channels, and get a weird emulator to play a game. You can just do it right now um, because I have it. I don't want to pay five $500 for that experience, at least not for Persona anyway. I've never connected to Persona. I've never played Persona. but I, Any game, any PS1 game is not worth $500 to me. No game that made my childhood bright as fuck for me to be in this hobby. Um, and, and, and let's be honest, a lot of the, the reason a lot of us are in this hobby is because we missed so much of it as kids because we couldn't afford the games when we were young at retail price. So like $500 for a game, I'm going to buy a Mr. I'm going to buy an Everdrive. I'm going to buy whatever it takes for me to play that game in a way that is satisfactory to me on original hardware, preferably, uh, and I'm not going to pay, I'm not going to encourage the market. I don't care how how much people love Persona. I know there are people out there, uh, apparently two people per week, who will pay $423 <laughs> for uh, Persona 1. I'm not one of those people. And, you know, fair enough. There, two people per week is a lot of people for $500 for a PS1 game, I would say.
0: Right. Like, Persona specifically, I I played, the first one I played was, the first Shin Megami Tensei in general that I played was Persona 3. Uh you know, 2008 or 2009 or so. Uh and and after I loved that game so much that I happened to go out and buy like every Shin Megami Tensei and Shin Megami Tensei adjacent game that's been released in the North America. And uh and I'm glad I did because yeah, um that's what you're saying is true like I I'm I I don't know it, like what the limit is on on what the price can get to before it it does just get ridiculous or or, or unfeasible. Um, because yeah, like like cause, cause five yeah five hundred is a huge ask. What what's the most you have paid for one single game? Do you this do you know off question. the top of your head?
1: Um, what is the most amount of money that I've paid for a single game? If we are just, are we just counting, like, like retro, like, I'm going to a thrift store or a game shop, I'm hunting for something cool? Or are we talking, like, I found a reason to buy this game system, so I'm going to buy the game system in the game? Ah, uh, if you
0: bought a game system just to play one game, that doesn't count. We're just talking okay. about how much the game That costs. doesn't
1: count, then I'm going to say... <sighs> That's actually kind of hard. Uh, I feel like I've spent almost absolutely there there i feel like there hasn't been a single instance where i have bought a video game for more than a hundred dollars really never never more than a hundred dollars never
0: more than a hundred
1: but i feel like there have been lots of instances where i've paid like upwards of a hundred dollars or like you know like 80 bucks 90 bucks depends on the game depends on how my priority and my stream schedule gets to like you know it's do I want to pay three hundred bucks tomorrow, or do I want to wait for a yard sale and maybe luck out for twenty bucks? Like eight years down the line, it's like, do I want to play the game, or do I want to just wait for it to come to me?
0: Right. Yeah. Um. You know, I I think I was in that boat for a long time where I I didn't pay more than a hundred for anything for a long time. Um. Man. Now now I wish I can rem I could remember what the first time I paid more than a hundred dollars for a game was but i don't know i'm surprised you don't how
1: often does this happen
0: that's the thing that we're talking about is that lately dude lately a game's more than a hundred dollars is a regular occurrence it's
1: insane
0: yeah because i mentioned valkyrie profile right that was you know that was 135 a couple years ago um and what made
1: you pay that let's explore that
0: I, you know, I don't know. I just, like, it's like... I just, I've heard that that game's really cool.
1: Totally and,
0: like. um...
1: and so, You know how many people have told me it's really cool, though? Like, two people. Every. Right. well and, it, and one and a half... It's actually more than, like, one and a half. The half being you kind of just talking about it. <laughs>
0: so, yeah. Valkyrie Profile is, like... I don't know very many people who have, who have played it, but 100% of people who have played it are like, yeah, it's great. Mm-hmm. So, um... But, so, I, I, I mean... With that one, it was more just like it kind of ultimately what another thing that I want to get to, which is that I don't think it's ever going to get cheaper. You know, you see it at 135 and you're like, oh, God, that's a lot. But how much is it going to be tomorrow? 136? You know, like God, I, hate, I hate
1: that. you're I hate that you're right, because I don't. Well, I don't know if you're right. I, I, I hate that. I feel like you're right, because. Boy, does that create the FOMA that drives these prices up even more. It's, it's an exponential process, and it's it, it fucking sucks for people like me who, like, well, I don't want to get into how much money I make, but I don't make a lot. And the whole reason I got into this was to get into the shit I missed as a kid. Because when I was a kid, man, I, I grew up with a single-parent household. I was the only kid, luckily, so I didn't have to share a whole lot. But, like, my gaming experience was, like, the majority of it that wasn't Game Boy was just PS1 demo discs because I had a oh, magazine yeah. like a p- official US PlayStation magazine subscription because it was like you know what I found some fucking sick ass games like Twisted Metal 3 Sledstorm that's how, it, that's how I got into Rob Zombie that's probably oh, <laughs> those yeah, games yeah. are probably like a, a attributable to like a third of my personality <laughs> which, as the root cause which, but which like
0: Rob the, Zombie song was in Twisted Metal 3 uh,
1: so Sledstorm was Dracula. And Twisted Metal Three was Super Beast.
0: Yes, yeah, I, I mm-hmm. remember Twisted Metal Four having Dracula in it.
1: Yes, um, well, Sledstorm was this other obvious franchise. It was just a racing game with with jets or uh, uh, s- snowmobiles. Yeah, snowmobiles. Okay. Um, it it was just a gimmick that companies were trying at the time. I wanted to say was, it was a good game, actually. Was
0: wasn't good. Rob Zombie a playable character in Twisted Metal Four?
1: Wouldn't know because I've only played demos. <laughs> I think he was. I think he drove the Dragula. So, and Twisted Metal Four is this a PS1 game?
0: Yeah, I it, thought it, it ended at PS3.
1: It kind of sucks. Sorry, Four sorry. is
0: sorry. not very good.
1: I, I Four I is say not Twisted very Metal good. 3.
0: But uh, it, yeah, yeah. So Twisted Metal Four is not very good, but it it does have Rob Zombie as a playable character in it, which is kind of fucking
1: funny. sick. I might buy it because <laughs> of that, actually. <laughs> And look, I'm not even a huge Rob. Z- I don't know how you feel about Rob Zombie. Um, I'm not a huge Rob Zombie fan, but that era, you know, Dracula, the song that everyone knows, that album is fucking good. I don't. I've care never what heard says. it. Really? I've never okay. heard it.
0: But when I'm playing Twisted Metal Four, though, I'm I, I'm digging through those ditches and burning
1: those burning through the witches. witches you know, yeah. well, it's fucking good. Like honestly, like if you dig the vibe of that song it's kind of generally the theme of the rest of the album, maybe a little bit more like not melancholic, but it gets a little bit more into the comic book horror aspects of like the theme of the music. It's pretty good. Um, but it fits perfectly for twisted metal. Sledstorm was just like a happy accident. That was like, I'm having so much fun riding jet or not jet skis, but, uh, but snowmobiles. I was like, I'm having so much fun riding snowmobiles because this music fucking rules. Like, uh, okay. Okay. Uh, did you ever play ATV Off-Road Fury 3 or 2? Uh, I played one
0: of them. I don't remember which one. Did you like it? Yeah. I mean, I was in middle
1: school, so yeah, I loved it. Me too. It. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, like, that, 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 they made that, um, and, of course, during, because of the time, I, I don't see it as an accident, but they made that game the ATV version of Tony Hawk's Pro Skate. Almost. Mm-hmm. Almost as comedically, uh, you know, uh, done. But, like... The, the soundtrack to it was just as good. They had uh, they had two System of a Down tracks on that that really does. Mm-hmm. I feel like video games probably might be responsible for getting me into metal. I'm, I might I might, <laughs> be willing to admit.
0: Okay, yeah, I right, I I do remember like before I I listened to metal at all. Yeah. Um, Tony Hawk Two had some good songs in it that I liked. Like it had that Power Man Five Thousand
1: song in it. Um, I never got into Powerman 5000 or White Zombie, but I, every time mm-hmm. I've heard their stuff, it's never been bad. Uh, that uh, that Power Man 5000 album, uh,
0: I, I wait. Actually, I don't know which album that's on. Anyway, um, the the big thing though then was Tony Hawk Three had that one CKY song on it, oh. and then after I heard that, then CKY became like my favorite band for a while when I was younger. I knew a few people who
1: loved CKY specifically because of that too. Actually, Tony, yeah. Tony Hawk.
0: C K Y got me out of my Lincoln Park phase when I was like a kid, <laughs> you know. I yeah, really yeah. liked Lincoln Park, and then C K Y was like, "Oh, this is way better." Um,
1: I was weird, so like, it, it sounds like you went the the other route that I did. Um, I I came at things loving hip hop over over metal because I just loved angry angry shit because I was a I was a fucking kid. I hate my dad. I was that was me, you know. So like, uh, I was like. I loved violent music, and then I heard System of a Down after I was mostly into hip hop, and I was like, "Holy shit!" Because <laughs> like even today, I still highly respect their sound uh, for and, and all they did for like you know, kind of reviving metal in the in, in in like the modern sense. Not that that's ever been a huge payoff, but you know, I, I'm a huge fan of System of a Down. At least got resp- a lot of respect for them. But I never got into like the punk side. I never got into CKY. I never got into. um Ah, uh, Lincoln Park. I had a few friends who tried to get me into Lincoln Park, and I couldn't do it. But I, I, you know what? I respect those bands a lot because they've accomplished a lot and did a lot.
0: I, I, I wouldn't say it's interesting because I, I wouldn't say CKY is punk at all.
1: Oh, uh, so I'm generalizing. The only people I know who loved CKY were people who were generally into punk. I actually so don't even know what they sound like. That's the thing. Is
0: so. Alongside Lincoln Park, I was also really into Green Day uh, when I mm. was a kid. Um, so it was, like, those were my two bands were Linkin Park and Green Day, you know? And then CKY was my, like, bridge, sort of, into liking heavier stuff, sort of. But I didn't really like harsh vocals when I was younger. Uh, my brother listened to, uh, music that had harsh vocals in it. And I was always like, eh, I don't like how that sounds, you know? Uh, but then, but then I heard he was listening to... Sounding the 7th Trumpet, the first Avenged Sevenfold album. Have you ever heard Avenged Sevenfold's first two albums back when they did harsh vocals?
1: I think I've only heard their, like, middle era stuff.
0: Okay, so their first album is, like, I I forgot how, what, like, the word is to describe it, but it's borderline, it's like, oh, it's going to make it sound real bad, but it's, like, borderline screamo, I want to say. <laughs> Like, uh, like the, people, the, a
1: lot of people listening to this could be in screamo. You never know.
0: It's, it's like very like, like, um, mumbly, uh, very like not enunciated harsh <laughs> vocals, you know? Yeah. Um, know. but, uh, but man, there was this one guitar riff in it that I heard and I was just like, it just blew my mind. This one like metal guitar riff. And I, I, I loved it so much that even though I didn't like the vocals, you know, I started to listen to that song and then eventually I started listening Do you remember to the song Sevenfold. Name? So uh yeah, it's called Turn the Other Way. Turn the um, Other Way, okay. yeah. And it, it's like the it's like the outro guitar riff. Uh, hmm. and then But then, so then their second album though, Waking the Fallen, still has harsh, that that album is like half and half a mix between harsh vocals and clean vocals, Um, and it, oh dude, the vocals are like way better also, the harsh ones, Uh, so I got really into that album, and then, so there you go, so Avenged Sevenfold's first couple albums, when they were actually a metal band, is like what got me then into actual metal. Do you know what you're not doing
1: with Avenged Sevenfold though? What? you're not you're you're not getting your your memories uh the nostalgia you have for that song you're not paying 600 bucks for a vinyl copy right yeah you know what i mean that that has significance to you the fact that you can recall that means it's important to you and it's important to your journey in in in, in developing your musical taste but like are you paying 600 bucks for it <laughs> right yeah um
0: so uh, yeah so like back to that uh, task at hand uh, it's oh my gosh um so it's okay
1: i I don't mind drifting off topic if that's okay with you
0: well like i was saying though the the, yeah like the hundred dollar game occurrence is Mm. uh is like a a regular thing nowadays yeah
1: I, Um, i would say the only reason i'm doing that though is because i'm buying like like a collector's edition from limited run games i'm buying something new i'm not buying used anything at a hundred dollars unless it's like i held this in my hands as a kid and this is just (laughs) this is developmental history for me you know what i mean like
0: yeah well i you know part of it for me also i think is the fact that i've started getting boxes and i didn't used to you know boxes yeah like oh for like nintendo
1: games yeah Mm -hmm. okay that's a huge thing so um yeah, do you want to explain to people why boxes are a huge deal for Nintendo games?
0: So, Nintendo games came in cardboard boxes. Like, flimsy, breakable cardboard boxes that, you know, back then, no one cared about them. And so, you got the game, you took it out of the box, and you threw the box into the corner behind you, you know? And uh, and then your mom came and picked it up and threw it away later. Uh, yeah, like, nobody kept their boxes for, for their games... Partly because yeah they're like they're they're cardboard and flimsy and and all that, that that's why like Genesis games that came in those harder shell cases mm. those are much easier to find ca- uh, cases for oh Except, my god you know can, can I just the... talk
1: about that for just for one second okay. yeah
0: okay. yeah as long as you talk about how, how they have those fucking tabs on them that we hate
1: I love like, the tabs because when stories... okay so, so... <laughs> because they're They're the receipt for the quality of that case. The fact that those fucking tabs are still there enough for people to hang those games on fucking, like, not on shelves, but hang them on the little racks, tells me that that plastic is strong as shit. And I love Sega for doing that. Oh, my God. Those game cases, I can hold a Sega Genesis game case in my hand. Original from, like, 1989 and from um, Retro Repair Corner, shout out uh they made a case for me for my my copy of castlevania bloodlines as well as a full color copy manual that he does custom um for 10 bucks and i was i was holding them side by side and i was like aside from like the 30 years of like hey this game moved 12 feet this way and got a little scuffing on the plastic you know like that's detectable by microscope aside from 30 years of that it's like the same case they protect so well the plastic is not dry rotted it uh, it holds the cartridge in, like, with a death lock that you're not afraid to actually, like, undo without... You know, you're not going to break anything by pulling it out of the case, but that thing is fucking in there. It's unlike, in there, uh, it's going to protect. Unlike yeah. PSP
0: games, where the death grip does damage the UMD if you don't take them out carefully. Please, oh, let's expl-
1: Can we talk about this? Because, I, I, okay, so I have three PSP games. Never played them because I own a PSP, but the screen's fucked up. But I never found the time to. But like the cases seem like little Nintendo Switch cases, I guess. Where yeah, you I the- love PSP cases,
0: like in general, how they look. But they hold the game in like a Genesis, where where it's there's like a hook on the bottom and on the top, right? And that's what holds it in. However, um, UMDs are, you know, the 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 seam is is. The long way, yeah, and it's not screwed together like a Genesis cartridge just is. Pop so together. if yeah, so if you don't like carefully like pull the hook away while you take the UMD out, it 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 stresses that Ooh. that uh, the seam yeah. every time, and they and the
1: games will split apart really easily. So like, there's a chance that when I'm pulling my game out, it the the, the, the disc inside the disc cassette could just come flying out.
0: Yeah, like the, you'll you'll pull it and the the front half of it will just come off, you know. Oh, yeah, gross. yeah. So, right, what I do is like take your your fingernail and make sure you shove the, your fingernail like in between the uh the hook and the UMD so that when you pull mm-hmm. it out it's not getting grabbed, you know. Uh but anyway, could not just
1: remove the tab? Could you? That would just make it fall out, right?
0: Yeah, then it would fall out, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh and speaking of removing things and how that would also just then make your, your case less valuable, those fucking Genesis tabs, man, I hate them. They're sticking out. They're in the way. They, you know, they're this annoying flap on the top what are they of the, in the case way of. So you can't pull it off either because then it then it doesn't have it anymore and now it's not complete. What are they in the way of? Uh, if you're trying to put them in your shelf, you have to like fold the tab down
1: to to fit it in the shelf. If you have shelves that are adequately, like, I guess, thin, um, yeah, I guess I could say that'd be a problem. But folding it down, ah, uh, man, I just like that tab. <laughs> I just like having it. I just like putting it right up on a rack if I want to. I like looking at it on a I like the idea of thinking about a Genesis game hanging. Not sitting on a shelf, but hanging, ready sure. to be picked up.
0: Well... That's fine. I wanted to also ask you, you mentioned you got a green Greatest Hits PS1 game once, and then you flipped it for the, uh, or switched it for the Black Label copy. What what system do you think has the worst, like, Greatest Hits PS1. style? PS1. PS1, you think the green Greatest Hits is the worst?
1: They chose the neon green. Okay, so this is PS1 era. We have to give them a little bit of leeway um, the alternative at this point in time was Nintendo marketing their games as, like, you know, that that, that kind of gold color when they have, like, the red and gold Famicom. Like, they, they go, uh, Nintendo Classics or whatever. I didn't think they were doing that at the time that the Genesis was around. Or I'm sorry, the PS1 was around, though. Um, I think that was later on in the Wii era. But... I, the, the color that is scientifically proven to grab humans' attention more than any other color in the color spectrum is the color that they went with for their greatest hits. Now, saying that sentence out loud makes perfect sense to a marketing department, you know? Mm-hmm. It makes perfect sense up on the shelf of a store in which the game has yet to be purchased. Once the game is purchased, fuck that shit looks ugly on your shelf. <laughs> Dude, Looks so bad.
0: <laughs> slight aside here, um, similarly, so on the PS5, I uh, you put in Bloodborne, right? And it comes up with the Bloodborne icon on the home menu. They have updated the game where now the the actual icon in the digital PS5 or 4 interface has a red bar at the top of it that Whoa. says Greatest Hits. <laughs> it's so fucking ugly.
1: Wait, oh my so, god! Anyway, so you're looking at your PS5 interface. I imagine it's like PS4, where you have a bunch of squares that you navigate through. Yeah. You see your game, uh, and and, and uh, let's say, let's call it a list of uh, excuse me, a list of digital games. The box, or let's call it the portrait. The portrait has a red line hovering above the portrait, or is it in the top crop of the actual portrait itself? The top crop. Okay, so it's not extra like annoying, where it's like trying to highlight your PS Five, trying to yeah, highlight it's to you, not you should
0: protruding out. It's okay. just you know, it's just now there's this red strip you know on the top of it. Ooh, I hate it. Um, I but uh, so so my least favorite of the of like the greatest hits kind of things were. Um, I I really don't like the style when they take the cover art and they make it smaller. <laughs> to, have, to have something around it. Like the... Uh, the Arkham the, Asylum? <laughs> the Xbox 360 Platinum Hits, I think, did this.
1: Uh, oh, so I was actually referencing... I, w- I believe it was Arkham Asylum on either PS4 or Xbox 360 or uh, P- Xbox One, rather, where they take... The art of the original game, and they put it like three frames in onto the actual box art itself, saying like the the best selling title rated by the magazine. Oh, <laughs> what uh, are you talking about? I do remember Arkham
0: City having oh, was like it
1: Arkham City, yeah. I,
0: well, I, I it, that one wasn't Borders. That one was just a puke of words where like the the image was like Batman, like you know, like his face or something, and there were just. So many like words and accolades all around his head that it was like just a visual nightmare.
1: Yeah, um, where there was like including three different PlayStation magazine, like I guess. Yeah, games. yeah. There
0: were more games like that too. Sony had a bad habit of that on PS3. I feel like with with some games, I don't remember. Oh my god!
1: Actually, I just looked it up. So, so what you were talking about was the Xbox 360. I'm sorry, 360 or PS3 version. <laughs> the art was similar. Uh, for, uh, I'm having a hard time finding the title of this game. It took me (laughs) three seconds to find out that it said Batman and below it said Arkham city on the right side. There are, I want to say, if I read it out to you aloud, it would probably take me the better part of a minute to actually read all the text on the front of this fucking cartridge or, uh, uh, you know, disc case, which is not good for something that you just want to look at and know what the fuck it is immediately.
0: Right, right. You know what? I'm going to edit in the picture that we're talking about here yeah, because so, yeah, cuz it's like, oh my god, Espe- the game of the year edition. Cuz it's like the it's the cover art of Batman, right? But then it's like yeah. it's got the game of the year edition on it. It's got the big 10 out of 10. It's the got 10 some out of 10. it's got three other uh, blurbs from or quotes from reviews. Game then Pro, it's Metacritic.
1: Tell- <laughs> NG4 TV, yeah.
0: Then it's got to tell you about the bonus download content that it comes with, along oh. with the four different company logos on the bottom with the ESRB. Oh, my God.
1: It's, it's something else. Oh, yeah, um, you're right. It's the ESRB something that says 3D something. And the, the thing I actually, that actually caught my mind was this is a PS3 game slash Xbox 360, and the most prominent review that they display on the cover of this is – 5 out of 5. One of the greatest games ever made. Period. By G4TV. I just said that a second ago, but I wanted to highlight that again. G4TV.com left a review of a PS3 game. What were they in weren't they just a hold like wasn't a holding company just ceasing all their activity and doing nothing for like a decade because that's a, that's my impression of how G4 has been lately. Hmm. On Xbox
0: 360, I feel like they must have still been doing something that was a long time ago. But, yeah, it, it does stand out to me, though, because I didn't know that they had reviews on their website. When I think of reviews from G4, I think of X-Play. TV, yeah. Uh, and maybe, like, Judgment Day, if you were into that, you know? Uh, what was that? that? That was the show that had Tommy Tallarico as one of the hosts, and then the other guy the was, name. like, Victor or something. Um, I liked that one because it was, it was two guys that reviewed Wait, every game. And so what they, was it called?
1: You know, Judgment Day. Judgment I think I actually know the two people you're talking about because this might have been based on the game or the people you were talking about that hosted it. Um might actually be um, the favorite show that I had of of that. Uh, so Tommy Tallarico.
0: Yeah, I I want to say Tommy Tallarico is also a, a game composer or he was yes. at the time or
1: something as well. Mm-hmm. This is this is it actually. Yeah. Um so it was renamed Judgment Day, which is why I wasn't familiar with it. I knew it as this original name which is reviews on the run
0: okay got which you. is
1: victor lucas actually victor lucas and tommy tallarico um fucking cool that i actually can see victor lucas directed this and he created it this was his series that's pretty cool actually
0: neat so yeah i think of stuff like that with, with g4 tv but i i guess they had reviews on their website also that's interesting didn't
1: even um, on a website,
0: <laughs> but man, the, so the worst offender. I wish I could remember the name of it, but specifically the Platinum Hits games for the original Xbox in the PAL region. They had a different name. They weren't called Platinum Hits like in the U.S., but in in PAL they were called something else. And that that those are the ones where they take the cover art and they shrink it down Classics. to have a big ugly border around it on every cover. Yes. Ooh,
1: that looks bad that looks terrible uh, i'm looking at it right now tomb raider underworld for xbox 360 on pal it's called xbox 360 classics rather than platinum um i i don't know why they called it that i, I mean classics is pretty straightforward but i will say the next following up more obnoxious uh, special editions uh, quote unquote of the games this is pretty gross with xbox 360 the classics in the PAL region. But at least color-wise, it's consistent. Like graphic design, me. graphic design is not bad. What comes to my mind is I don't even know what the fucking are they called? Player's choice for the GameCube, where they have that yeah. yellow border at the top.
0: The yellow oh on the GameCube is pretty bad too. It's pretty small, but I, I yeah I avoid Player's Choice on on GameCube also. Um, but it, it I mean it is just a just a little strip up there.
1: Yeah, it's just, it's it's nowhere near as bad as the PS1. Um, it's just, it still stands out almost as bad. And j- just to confirm it, yeah, it is player's choice. So, it's yeah, it's that yellow bar at the top, but, you know, that red bar at the top isn't so bad, I guess, either on PS5, is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's-, it's still annoying. It's there, you know? Um, I do avoid it, but, like... When it comes to GameCube games, just to circle back to our little topic here. Uh, GameCube games, I think, are the first um, first casualty when it comes to rising prices of that generation. PS2, Xbox, Dreamcast. GameCube's beating Dreamcast right now in terms of prices for their games. Dreamcast games used to be like, well, fuck, that was the, that was the console that didn't make it, but it's Sega. Of course we're going to buy it. Buy it up. Um... Dreamcast and 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 uh, GameCube both have optical drive emulators now. Yet, the price of Dream or uh, I'm sorry, GameCube games still remains like I feel like the average price of a GameCube game is like 30 bucks. Whereas the average the, price of a PS2 game was like 2 bucks.
0: Yeah, the uh, the GameCube was the first system that I noticed really going up and I'm kicking myself over it because like I I I have most of the GameCube games I want, right? But like thousand year door is is a game that uh, I I bought paper the Mario fir- yep I I yep. got the first paper Mario like four years ago or something right I got I got the first paper Mario and I I thought at the time I thought about getting thousand year door also but my my thinking was yeah I'll just get it when I want to play it uh, you know, I I haven't played Paper Mario 1 yet, so I'll just wait <laughs> until I play Paper Mario 1 and, you know, I'll get thousands in your joy when I want to play yet. And oh, now, oh my
1: god, it's like four times the price now. Oh, you just, <laughs> you just made me feel bad about my strategy. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, uh, yeah. fuck it, I'll buy it when I get to it. Oh no, <laughs> maybe you shouldn't do that.
0: Yeah, that's the thing is that like, that's, that's how I rolled for a long time. And now it feels like there's this pressure of like, you gotta get,
1: you gotta get every game you don't have right now. Is it just FOMO though? Is it just COVID FOMO where once the vaccines are like, you know, totally like abundant and everyone's like, yeah, I got that shit three weeks ago, whatever, you know, is is the price going to go down? Is the price, like, I, I feel like COVID is such a weird test case when it comes to market prices. Because look at the way it's affected the housing market. Let's let's look at that first and then assume that every other market is probably also bizarrely affected in some way. So it makes me wonder whether or not this, this, this gold rush to the retro gaming market has been, like, if it's going to start waning. Like, I'm looking at the price of a thousand-year door right now for Paper Mario. Um, Paper Mario, the first game on N64, is a great game. I I think, uh, oh, Jesus. Okay, never mind. Sorry. I was looking at Complete and Boxed. The The price of Paper Mario on, on N64 right now is $78. I think that's a bit much. I think I paid 50 or so for it, happily, though, because it's a great game. Worth it. Worth it. Um, Thousand Year Door, Complete and Boxed is 116 bucks right now. That's However, less than I was thinking it was. But I go on, think go on. it was less than it is too. However, the Players Choice Award or Award Players Choice uh, Green or damn it, yellow bar at the top. That little yellow bar gets you about seventeen bucks off at ninety nine dollars complete in price. So yeah. people are definitely in it for the game. I'd say rather than the aesthetic look to it. But I bet that's I bet that's more true with PS One than it is with GameCube. I bet people are the the fact that we that we say green label and black label and people kind of know what we mean kind of tells you yeah graphic yeah. graphic design is my passion says Sony in 1995
0: <laughs> yeah um I mean you're right the yeah the the PS1 greatest hits is probably the worst looking of all of the of all of those those greatest hits uh, I'm sorry I don't
1: mean to harp on that again it's just, it, it just no no you're to my mind. Yeah,
0: I, you're right. I mean, I asked a question. We talked about a few. But, yeah, I, and I think, I
1: think you're right that those, that's the worst. So the retro gaming market just being out of control, we don't know whether or not it's going to be, uh, whether or not, at least the temporary boom in prices is a COVID phenomenon or if it's just kind of like, hey, time's passing. These games are only going to get older. These experiences are only going to get harder to cling on to, you know? maybe yeah. the price just goes up from here who knows i hope it doesn't i really hope it doesn't because i want I, listen i'm kind of the person right now who's like i i juggle back and forth between i <laughs> i haven't contributed to my retirement in over a year but i have been buying games and I'm, try, I'm starting to wonder if like video games that i've been buying will serve as an adequate investment into the future and I actually really fucking hate thinking that way. Because I would like these discs, like, you know, that I stated before, are going to start seeing more and more disc rot and corrosion. Uh, and, and also consoles just won't be able to read them. Lasers assemb- laser assemblies wear out all the time. Especially now on PS1s. Um, they go out pretty commonly from what I understand. Even though they're pretty resilient. But these things aren't even going to be appreciable, <laughs> usable. Like, for their, they're going to be... Eye candy only eventually. Um, and I don't want it to be I don't want it to be priced like they're diamonds. I want it to be accessible to the people who want to play them. Yeah. And I don't want people who want to play them to have to be have to resort to uh everdrives and well, not to put it on everdrives, they're a fantastic solution, but there are problems with everdrives. Like I, I know some people have stated that they get a noise issue when they play games uh, on an EverDrive you know that isn't present when they use the actual physical medium. Um that's not a huge deal for a lot of people. I, I and I'm I'm happy it's not because more people can play these games, but 600 bucks a game, man. Not doing it. Not doing it.
0: Yeah. Um right. I mean I can, right, I can only hope that uh that once uh you know, once the people who are like maybe if if it is true that there are people who are just temporarily into it right now, uh, that if they start, you know, selling all this, uh, all, all the stuff that they've bought that's been driving up the market, then hopefully it'll go back down. But, you know, I don't know. I, I, I have strong reservations about the idea of prices ever going down, you know? Once it's been established that people will pay this much for a game, you know, then it's just a matter of it takes a little bit longer to sell instead of you actually selling it for less. Maybe. I maybe- don't know.
1: Maybe the whole retro gaming market is saved by eBay's uh, auto price reduction function when when an item doesn't sell in the time span that it's allowed to Is that
0: a thing? Because I was just offered a 3% discount on something I was watching uh, today. You think that was automated?
1: No, uh, I'm referring to the fact that when you sell an item on eBay, uh, you can select an item called, I think it's like adaptive or smart pricing or something. Where if it doesn't sell for the price that you want, it will automatically lower it by a pre specified percentage and just like keep doing that if the item doesn't sell until it gets to a price where someone will buy it. Okay, um, interesting. It's like reverse bidding, kind of. Except you know people will more likely buy it than than just not bidding against something mm-hmm. because the price reduction in general leads to a bunch of FOMO and because no one's bidding on it and rather than buying on it. They can't have any way of telling. Well, shit. Maybe someone might buy it for five hundred dollars. Maybe I should wait until four eighty, and then you know, who knows? Right. Maybe I can afford it then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear
0: it. Yeah, I didn't know that was a thing, but uh, yeah. So we'll see what goes on there, and that's that's what's been happening in the in in the retro game
1: collecting. It's been nuts. Like, it's, yeah, it's like your options are fifty fifty: optical drive emulator with an SD card or hard drive, or be rich.
0: Mhm. And it's right. And so like for someone like me it's it's been it's been really weird having the the double-sided the double-edged sword or whatever of like wow, it's really cool that some of these games that I bought 5 years ago are worth 10 times the price now. That's awesome. Oh, but then then there's ju- there's way more games that I don't have that are 10 times the
1: price now, so <laughs> you know. Yeah, there's that as well. Um, but it's just like, think about... And I know you agree with this at, at the core heart. I just want to verbalize it. But say you say you just go, okay, well, why am I getting into these? Because I loved these games as a kid. Um, who's going to highlight these now? Who's going to say, hey, these experiences are worth experiencing even 30 years after the fact that the, the technology was made... Vastly inferior. It, it it doesn't matter. Um, they're still worth having. But how do you convince someone, uh, to say, how do I play it accurately if this game, say, isn't a game that Sony let me pay sixty bucks for to have a digital copy on PS5 or PS8? Who knows. Um, the <laughs> you can't just be like, well, you can pay three hundred bucks this way, or you can um take this console here All right, this is a craigslist listing right uh, it's fine it's tested but we're going to remove the disk drive okay it's going to be fine we're going to pay for this 300 hard disk drive with it with a pcb interface okay well hang on not a problem you just drop it in you plug this in and this thing and it's fine it works you'll play what you want to play okay but you still paid 300 bucks <laughs> you know and i'm exaggerating i'm thinking about things that are a little bit more plug into like the mode from terra onion which Terra Onion is not a company I have had the money to to rep yet, but, you know, they seem to provide a valuable service for a lot of people who can't afford it. But it's if you can afford it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that's the crux right. of it. And I don't think it should be that way. And, and emulation, uh, not a problem. We can go to That's a separate subject, though.
0: It's an interesting thing, too, because, like, as far as emulation goes, like, I, I, I don't love the idea that, like, putting a. a sd card mod in your ps1 means that now you own every ps1 game yes. uh because i i i don't you know the 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 legal well, uh gray area right of it. That,
1: that that bothers you that you okay so if someone says i own every ps1 game but they just have an ode for mm-hmm. for the uninitiated listening that means optical drive emulator um which essentially means an SD card plug into your PS1 that has all the games on it, and hey, you're, boom, you're playing on the original PS1, but it's all these games that you got for free. So that bothers you?
0: Uh, I'm not just gonna say yeah, because uh, it's not like a it's it's not a, a huge deal. Um, hmm. But like, if everybody's emulating games that are that companies are still actively working on making available for paying customers, then that like slows down incentive. For preservation to happen from the people who own the games like like game preservation is really important, you know, and maybe it's it's it's, it's tough to say like, I, you know, yeah, I'm not
1: I, 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 could you repeat that sentence that you just said so it game preservation it is really important. Yeah, but right before that, what did you say right before that you said it makes it harder for game preservation.
0: Uh, from the people who own what, the when people IPs. When people who,
1: like, you're saying when people who emulate things that are actively being resold by, like, people who port them to newer consoles, is what you're saying? Uh, I, I, I worry that
0: if, uh, if everybody emulates and no one questions it, then there's no incentive for uh, there to be, like, official
1: preservation stuff. Uh, do you think that's possible though? Do you think it's a, do you think it's possible that if every, everyone emulated say Spyro or something I
0: guess if everybody emulated the game then it's preserved so what do I care?
1: No no no, I, I hang on. So I'm going against that completely here. So if you emulate Spyro on PS5 and let's just like for in, for the sake of argument, let's just say that the game ran at 60 frames a second, but on PS5 for some reason it ran at like I don't know, 48 frames a second. Mm -hmm. And like Spyro, the whole game is actually redone, you know? Uh, Let's not get into that. That's a a separate point. Wait,
0: are we talking about remakes or emulation? No, no,
1: no. Sorry, a separate point. I'm just thinking Spyro because it got a remake. But Say we ported Spyro. PS1. PS1 Spyro got ported to PS5. Didn't run exactly how it should. It's just, you know, 48 frames a second versus 60. Let's just say that's the difference. Mm -hmm. And That's a glaringly obvious difference for the sake of example, but do you think it's possible that no one would question that? They go, yeah, this looks a lot like what I remember when I was a kid, so this is fine. Do you think 100% of people would be that way, or do you think a lot of people would be like, hang on, Tons of people would notice.
0: Tons of people would be mad about it. And you know what, though? You know what a lot of people would also do, and this isn't really an answer to your question. It's just a funny (laughs) thing. A lot of people would just be like, Wow, this Shut, sucks. Yeah, games used to suck, huh? And then that's wow. all they would think of it. They wouldn't really uh, consider that it, it's it's the port's fault.
1: I think that's... <laughs> I was making a joke by, going, uh, by saying something else, but I think you just hit on something actually much stronger, which is actually... Most people have the idea that a PS5 is inherently and objectively better in every way than PS1 um specifically because they don't give it a lot of thought and they think 5 bigger than 1, 5 just came out duh obviously better. So yeah, what incentive is there for them to hold on to their older stuff to play things accurately or or rather to buy old games and and you know see shitty emulation or shitty uh not very well represented versions of the original experience. Um they see that and they go, "Yeah. Yeah, v- video games just used to suck, you know." It was, it just looked, used to look awful, you know. That's, you expect uh, there, it.
0: There was even like a thing with uh, was it? I I really hope it it was him because I'm going to say his name, Jim oh. Ryan from uh, PlayStation. I think there was something with him once where. Uh, it it was around the discussion of backward compatibility on PS4 or five Oof. or something, where they said he said like, Oh, I was at some kind of thing where they had these old games. Oh man, who wants to play those PS1 games anymore or something? Like tell this guy who like owns the brand or is a huge part of it was was just throwing PS1
1: under the bus. I don't was know. Like, if oh, that
0: who was... the hell that shit sucks. <laughs>
1: I don't know if it was Jim Ryan because I don't see any uh Google searches on that but I have heard recently that CEO uh, let's see that that a big wig at uh, Sony in, in the PlayStation department was like why would anyone want to play old games or something, okay, something yeah. to that effect and yeah it's like man <laughs> are you just like how do you say something like that like how do you say don't watch Titanic. It sucked. It was made in like the early 90s. You know, don't yeah. watch this fucking like I'm not a huge Titanic fanboy or anything. It's just the first thing that came up in my mind because it was known yeah. as like the best selling movie of all time for a long time. It's just like, how do you say that as a CEO of a company of products that your company helped produce? Like, yeah, that's how what do makes you just it Funny. <laughs> yeah. Like, come on, buddy. Like, people love this shit. Like, how are you just going to shit on the thing that gives people hope? To buy your consoles, Mm-hmm.
0: yeah, and I, uh, you know, I really uh, like. I, right, it's funny to try to get into the the salesman head of like maybe he, maybe he thought that it would sound like they advanced a lot. Listen to how much we advance. You got to get our new thing that's so much more advanced. It's so advanced it makes the old thing look like shit. You know, that is a really
1: great point. Actually, it, that very well could have been marketing motivated.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I feel like that, that, uh, like, in some way, that kind of marketing unintentionally happens all the time, uh, where, where you get, uh, you get people, uh, like big names, big names in the industry that will sell you their new game based on how much they've realized that their old one sucks. You know, <laughs> uh, like oh, sorry, we disappointed so much on that last game. We're not gonna do that again. You know, uh, and that kind of thing. Yeah, um, I, like Peter but Molyneux but comes to mind. I feel like every time Peter Molyneux had a new game coming out, it would be it would be like predicated on how much he thought his last game sucked. Peter
1: Molyneux, is he from, is that Ubisoft?
0: He was the Lionhead guy. with oh, like Lionhead. Fable and, yeah.
1: Oh, sh- okay, so I don't know the story of this guy. I know the guy's name because it has come up before, not in our conversation, but in gaming in general. But, like, mm-hmm. I know the story of Fable, which is in Fable 1, I fucking love that game. It's so good. Um, I think we talked about this before, actually, where you said you didn't play Fable 1, I think. I did. It was fine. Oh, okay, then maybe it was someone else, but... Uh- Fable 2 and Fable 3 uh, made a lot of people angry. Yeah, Fable 2 is
0: probably the worst game I've ever played. And Oh, like, uh, whoa, hang on, and, hang on. And then Was that actually I just an
1: honor win. you bestowed onto it so easily?
0: Uh, Fable 2 is a really, really bad game. <laughs> like, real bad.
1: What's the runner-up? <laughs> runner-up, wow
0: oh i don't know i don't know it's because well here's the thing is it, it's hard to it's hard to really say what's the worst game you've ever played because you generally quit playing a game when you hate it so much that it's in in competition for that you know you I'm just are streamer, off right but uh but yeah F- fable 2 I, I gave a i i really gave a it a chance you know um and it it was who
1: so i haven't played fable 2 but like as someone who beat Fable One and loved replaying Fable One as the Lost Chapters when they released the DLC on the Xbox, uh, how bad is Fable Two? So
0: here's my issue with it. All right, all right. So there is a central theme in this game that runs across all the mechanics, which is that nothing fucking matters. Nothing in the game has any points. Uh, or matters. (laughs) Good thing to establish early. (laughs) Right? Let's let's give several examples of what I'm talking about, all right? So first of all, the game's got this system where, like, one of the biggest things that the game is sold on is this idea that the people in town have an opinion of you, right? Mm. Oh, if you do good things, then they'll like you, and if you do bad things, then they won't like you. Except you can heavily easily influence people's opinions of you just by doing like emotes around town right so you can just like you can murder someone's spouse Right? And then they hate you because you just murdered their wife or something? But then you just burp and fart and dance a few times, and now they are literally in love with you. You know what I mean? So it's like this whole idea of this complicated system that's so immersive is reduced to something that completely doesn't matter because it's just a slider on the person that you can slide around by doing emotes in front of them, and that's all it is, right? It just doesn't matter! So let's one give of those more Twitter examples. Friends? Let's give more examples of of things that don't matter. Did you know you can get married in Fable 2? Yes. Yeah. You know, people fall in love with you and shit. You can get married. It doesn't do anything though. It doesn't do anything. But what it will do though is as you're playing, you will have this constant fucking notification on the bottom <laughs> of your screen that says, Your wife wants sex. You need to go back. She wants to have sex, dude. And this is a notification that you have all the time. So it's like, all right, I'm going to go back to the house and I'll talk to wifey. And you go back there and she doesn't really want to have sex. Turns out it's this whole fucking song and dance you got to do where you got to like do this thing and probably give her a gift and do this. You got to do a lot of shit to actually have it. Uh, which is weird because they've been bugging you about how she wants it now, Knox. <laughs> so, uh, so, so let's say you do have sex, you know, uh, don't care it, how it sex. doesn't, you can have a kid in the game. Guess what? It, you can also have a kid in the game. Doesn't do anything. It has no effect on anything whatsoever, except you I guess now the there's kid? a child at your
1: house. <laughs> you what? don't raise the kid to be your, it's not like some God of War 4 shit going on or anything? No,
0: there's no, there's nothing to do with the kid. You, oh. you, you can also get STDs in the game. Well, are useful. If you aren't careful with your sexing, you can get STDs in the game. They don't do anything. It doesn't <laughs> do anything in the game. It's not an actual you know, debuff or anything? Like, Nope. Uh, if you, if you eat a lot in the game, your character gets fat, you know, he like physically, he kind of gets fat, Mm -hmm. doesn't do anything, doesn't slow you down, doesn't make you have more stamina. Important point, important
1: point. So you know how in the first game you can demonstrate to someone that you are capable of great evil by devouring an alive baby chicken?
0: Uh, I remember, yeah, there's something like
1: that. There's like those weird doors, Yeah. Can you get fat by just eating a whole bunch of live baby chickens at once?
0: I don't know if it's live chickens or anything like that, but <laughs> yes, you can you can get fat by eating a lot. There is one way in the game to reduce your weight, you know. Mm-hmm. It's not exercising, it's not even not eating nothing. Oh, Cuz that's it, how there you do is, it there is one food item in the game that is celery, and if you eat celery, that reduces your weight. But, like, only one vendor sells celery and there's, like, no other way to get it. So you, but he only sells a little bit at a time, so you have to, like, so you have to not eat anything, and you gotta wait for this one vendor to get his celery back every once in a while so you can get your weight down. Just, like, But it doesn't even matter because it doesn't do anything! Being fat doesn't do anything!
1: Being fat doesn't say- suck in fable 2.
0: and so it's just this fucking game that has all these mechanics in it that that don't matter at all uh so so you're reduced to just the gameplay i guess so now we get to the gameplay <laughs> right <laughs> remember in fable one how like when you used strength or magic or skill you got experience points for those things uh but then when the monster died it 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 released green orbs which you then sucked in to get general experience, right? That's how Fable 1 worked. I
1: thought green was health and gold was generally It doesn't I'm matter. I'm pretty Go sure
0: on. they were green orbs that gave you experience. And the thing, so in Fable 2, uh, you, now it's all orbs. When you hit dudes with a melee weapon, red orbs come out of them that will give you strength experience. Blue orbs come out of them for magic. Yellow well, orbs come alive. out of them. Well, they're still alive? Yes. Uh so, so the the place is just getting littered around with orbs while you're fighting. This is, I'm glad you asked that because that's very important, that orbs are spawning in the middle of the fight as you're fighting, right? Then you finish a, f- a fight, right? You killed all the enemies. Good job. Uh, it says on the screen, Hey, great fight. 1.5 times experience bonus. And in the context of this game... What the hell does that mean? What, what? Like, there's a bunch of orbs on the ground. Does that mean that, like, now when I suck in the orbs, they're worth 50% more? Yeah. Does it mean that at some point... Some of the orbs spawned normal, but at some point I started getting 50% more because I did well. Is this I don't know.
1: 50% more? Yeah, I'm, weird. I'm not
0: sure what that actually means because of the orb system. Also, what did I do to get that bonus? <laughs> I have no idea. It's so like it's a just, shakedown except you just hit people. <laughs> so it's just another mechanic that exists, I guess, but you're, it's just so confusing and ambiguous that it doesn't matter. Um you know, oh my god uh and then i I could get into spoilery stuff, but like i, oh, I just wanna let's just say it's not worth getting
1: to the end <laughs> <laughs> i just wanna just uh highlight right now that a complete in box uh copy oh, actually let's 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 pull it back for a second a new un like un like sealed like untouched. You haven't opened this game yet. Copy of Fable Two is worth less than it was when it launched. Okay, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's are some games that do that. Yeah, yeah. So I, uh, I assume the crowd reception was not so good.
0: I don't know. X Play gave it Game of the Year. I remember God that. God damn it! So you have
1: to <laughs> wonder. Okay, l- let me get in. Let me put my tinfoil hat on for a second. Uh, X Play and by extension, everything G4TV is, by all accounts, at least at the time, it was mainstream media as mainstream media could get. Um, That means there's a lot of money changing hands back and forth behind closed doors that are, you know, most of it's probably internal with a company, but like, companies, like, weren't just giving things away and just it wasn't like it is now with YouTube I and mean, be like, uh, a, a dev team of one hands you a, a steam code and goes, I would love for you to stream my game and tell me everything you don't like about it so I can fix it. It's very different now versus like back then where it's like, Hey, EA just dropped this AAA game. Uh, they're gonna, they're gonna market it and it's gonna be released as a launch game for this new console, etc. Yada, yada. Um, it's a fucking amazing game. We're going to say the greatest shit about it because, uh there's let's be honest with g4 there's a lot of money in, in general when it comes to like just coming clean and honest like there's a lot of money to showcase what's being showcased on that show uh just in creating the show like creating a, if anyone here has ever watched uh anything by rooster teeth rooster teeth are the people that did that like they, they got initially famous by that machinima uh, red versus blue um which is a halo thing they have a studio and a YouTube channel now, where they make like TV quality sets and and shows and shit. And that shit is—it's amazing that that can exist on YouTube right now. But that's shit's high budget, man. Where does the money for that come from? Right. When it comes to these old games making Fable Two game of the year, why was that game of the year? So what we're getting at,
0: I I uh, I I don't there there's two sides to it. I don't think it is as direct as you might be implying I, maybe not probably. I don't think that uh reviews are paid for
1: at all oh probably not. well, so <laughs> I think they're paid for sometimes uh highly but mostly very indirectly
0: indirectly as in there so yeah so so. I like I just don't see someone who who does game journalism and writes game reviews as a living not wanting to be honest and not wanting oh, course, to be yeah. like I'm the honest one and I run the honest site. You know, that's no one's uh, evil by choice. That's what everyone wants to do, right? Um indirectly though, I do definitely think that uh and, and that that this um there there's the effect where you worry if you give a a scathing review to a Ubisoft game, that now Ubisoft isn't going to send you their next game, and they're not going to invite you to press events and uh, and that kind of thing, right? So for that reason, it might be it, it's just bad for your business, maybe, to get on the bad side of a publisher, you know that yeah. that's what i think as far as indirect goes and furthermore i think that the people who are immune to that kind of thing is someone like g4 or ign or GameSpot. really the, the big name company is uh i think that they can kind of do whatever they want because though they're the sites that generate a lot of traffic but when you get down to like that middle tier where you're not a youtuber on the bottom with a thousand subscribers and you're not a giant company right you're in the middle you've got your you've got your two hundred thousand subs on youtube i feel like those are the people that are most susceptible to the idea that like they're just getting into maybe getting some favors from uh from publishers you know sending them review copies or that kind of thing and they don't want to lose that by you know giving a bad review or whatever
1: not that they're relevant but a couple things um i think it starts way sooner than that for youtubers because i've actually been a party to it um i've been sent things to review as a youtuber with like only four thousand subscribers the it, it's it's mostly just not to get into the subject but it's mostly about like small people can have way more influence than than people think they can especially on a place like youtube where videos get seen millions of times for very low effort actually but um yeah i think you're right though i think a lot of it when it comes to the game industry is very indirect um <laughs> i say this like i'm some kind of like industry titan who's had so much experience in it no i i'm a i'm a dickhead with a camera um i, I feel like at a certain point the influence most likely comes with people who feel like they have a not feel like, but probably have a lot to lose. Like G four was a huge organization that was, that was like fuse, like in a fuse MTV was bigger than both of them, but like it was a TV channel for someone like me growing up with TV um, with cable is like, like a hundred channels. If you were one of those a hundred channels, you were fucking huge. And, you know, at that time, by all rights, you were, because the internet has made things so much bigger than they are now, or than they were. But, like, I feel like G4 would have a lot more to lose if they... I, 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 if, maybe not Ubisoft was the right example, because, like, press events, that's the big thing for them, is being able to cover uh, press events. And getting things a little bit earlier than the rest of the journalists is probably a big favor, too. But, you know, it, largely, I feel, like, I feel like there's probably a little bit more incentive for bigger companies to play nice when it comes mm-hmm. to reviews. Uh, some dickhead with a camera can can be as mean as he wants. And if a company wants to go, hey, I like this guy's opinions, this guy gets in front of a lot of eyeballs, I'm going to send my game to him. I'll, I'll expect what I what I get from these videos, you know? I think that's kind of where like the real power is coming in in marketing right now, is just how the small influencers can be... It have an have an immense effect on the actual industry for at least for that even
0: even a certain yeah. genre
1: of game you know I wonder how
0: some of that stuff is going though like I I've heard um I've heard Jeff Gersman talk a good amount about like uh, uh about how like different people in the industry like him the the uh producers or the publishers of games they've got their their um pr person right who's at the press conferences and stuff and they've got like rap sheets on people that they're going to interview and stuff you know of like watch out for this guy or this thing with this person and that kind of thing like yes they're on that shit and so yeah i think that uh, i definitely think that's what people get worried about is not getting on to those bad sides and getting unfavorable There was one other thing too. I worry Um, about
1: that. If you don't mind me exploring that actually. So mm I, I'm a YouTuber. um, I'm by no means big. Like I said, I got 4,000 subscribers for a subject that doesn't even relate to what we're talking about right now. Um, I would love for a company to reach out to me and be like, here's our thing. Tear into it because like, I feel like that's the way that companies are actually seeing success is they're getting real word of mouth by going, hey, we're not going to pay you for any special treatment. We just want to know your honest opinion. And if you fucking hate it, well, then not only is that not going to actually help the brand coming to you fix their problems, it's also going to make it so that they don't have to deal with those problems way later on down the line when way too many fucking people have them and they can't deal with them. You know what I mean? It's it, There's incentive for, for honesty.
0: Yeah, I, I agree that that also that honesty goes a long way with those people. But uh like very pragmatically speaking, you know, who who makes a lot of money? Raid Shadow Legends. And oh boy, do they have like a script for people to follow as far as the sponsorships go and that kind of thing. You know? Have you been approached? Um, not personally, but I I've looked into like what exactly their pitch is, you know, and mm-hmm. they they've got it locked down where it's like it needs to, you need to say specific phrases and uh, and make up personal anecdotes about it and uh, Oh, really? You, know, you all, have to all like, of that oh, kind of stuff. Oh, I mean, yeah. Do they,
1: do they force you to make up something, or do they a- ask you to say a certain thing?
0: Uh, so they want it to be, they they want it to be, like, personalized in those areas of, like, of, of, um, like, it's both, is what I'm saying. Like, there's, there's definitely parts where, if you've heard people give the Shadow Legends pitch, you'll hear the same exact wording in some spots. Mm, It's the most ambitious, whatever, whatever, console-like experience on your phone, you know, those kinds of things are are the the word-for-word things. Uh, and then the personal the stuff is, um, I, it see, uh, I think it's the norm with the things that do really well, uh, financially, you know, cause so people, another one you I ask have, most Bruce. people and they can't stand raid shadow legends cause they're sick of hearing about it. Right. But yes. mean it's not making
1: a lot of money. So that's a, okay. Have you looked into how much, okay, well, I guess I won't interrogate you on it, but like, I don't know. I'm one of those people. I don't fucking know anything about raid shadow legends because I'm so sick of hearing about it. And how much money is it truly making and where is the money coming from? Maybe
0: maybe they're just keeping up their appearances really well and they've got me fooled and they're actually not <laughs> doing so well. Maybe I mean
1: they it could be one of those companies that's just like a front for something and they just have infinite cash to throw at a budget like maybe hey, let's organize this shitty let's let's advertise this shitty mobile game so that we can, mm-hmm. you know, sell 80 kilos of cocaine a day in in Cuba. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wanted to get back to
0: something else you said though. You were talking about like uh, uh, companies reaching out to influencers. You know, do you hmm. remember that E three where they had a bunch of influencers doing their like promos and stuff? No. Ooh, it was bad. Uh, Sounds it bad. was. Yeah, it was just a lot of like you know. Oh here you know. Uh, EA is well. What EA was, was it? at? They were still here, right? Yeah. EA, you know, they have their whole. Um, Uh, thing that they do at E3, right, and they would have a segment of just, like, you know, here's their segment about the new this game, whatever it is, I don't know, Uh, but instead of just going to, like, a PR person or here's Adam Sessler to talk about it or something, they, like, had a bunch of influencer people, and so many of them just, like, froze up and just like didn't you know the moment that it came for them to actually be on Aww. they you know just did not know what to say or uh yeah it w- it just it was a disaster on many levels, and I think that was the only time that we saw a bunch of
1: that <laughs> fuck, I love it though, I look unpopular opinion, I love e three so much, okay, well, that's not mm-hmm. unpopular i love e three in the way that it gets cringy is what I love about e three because yeah. You can look up like videos of past E threes and just go, oh, why? Yeah, <laughs> but but like it, it's all hype to 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 get you to buy the things that, of course, we did buy as kids because we were fucking kids and mm-hmm. shit was hilarious and and well, like just games were you know you were excited about the games that they were showing, so it was a big media event like it's always been, um, and it's good to see them experiment with 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 uh. With influencers, quote unquote, it kind of hurt to say a little bit, but <laughs> I I
0: hate the term influencers. Oh man, I do
1: too. But I really I, on it.
0: the on the subject of E three though, yeah, like I might come off like a cynical prick all the time. You should fucking see me when E three is on. Oh, Ooh, it's dude, it's, it's Christmas. Dialed up, it's dialed up to eleven, dude. Yes,
1: this is <laughs> this is like a seven year old at Christmas. Nintendo sixty four. Like this, this is us. We're like fucking. It's not even to get a reaction from like we could just be not live. We could just be not making videos or any content about E3. And just fucking watching it and just be fucking hype like everybody else is. It's it's all like I'm saying oh,
0: the opposite. I sit back and I'm just like, look at these fucking douchebags, man. Oh, you're saying look you're at, way
1: more cynical at E3. Look, yeah. See, yeah. I'm not, I love E3 because <laughs> I, I know it's so imperfect. I know there's so many promises that they're writing. Like there's so many checks that they're writing that their their asses can't cash. It's just, there's so much that I'm like, there's so much hope and everyone's happy and everyone's just... I'm just in the moment. No, I do no, like fine. that,
0: though. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it, it's, it's a very... E3 is a weird thing for me. Because, yeah, I'm, like, super cynical about what I'm seeing and how how, like, fake most of these game trailers are and all that kind of stuff. Like, I'm sitting there doing that. But at the same time, I'm loving the fact that there is this big event and that everyone's here to show their new stuff and, you know, there's lots of media personalities being excited. I do love that environment um
1: it's just you know and i think it it does suffer probably real in real life it's probably nowhere near as cool as it is on you know the the internet or tv but uh, i feel like there's probably a point where it's kind of like when you go to uh i went to maryland death fest all right so this is a this is a it's not a convention but you could probably be fooled into thinking that if you have a really loose definition of the word convention um, but it, it's Fest. like a, it's mm-hmm. a three stage event, meaning there are three stages and there are three bands playing at all times. And if you don't know Maryland Death Fest, um, if you're into death metal, imagine three of your favorite bands playing at the same time mm. all day. And you have to choose which one you want to see, because that's the moment that you get to see it. them. I feel like that's probably the same with E3, where there's just so much exciting shit going on and you don't know what booth you want to be at, you don't know what demo you want to try. These games are trying to sell super well at like people are trying to sell launch games. Like we're going to sell a console with this game. It's like okay, oh yeah, motherfucker, you're using like 2% of the power of this console because you don't know what you can do. Are you sure this game's going to be a blockbuster? I don't know, but I'm here to see it. I'm here at fucking E3. It's ex- it's an exciting time, you know? It's like I want to be there to experience everything that I'm missing out on when I just look at it online and I'm just sitting at my home like some other dickhead on his couch, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's an well, exciting
1: time. I, I, I've always wanted to see it.
0: Yeah, I I, I always like following E three. Um, you know, for some reason more so than uh, than than the others. I, I don't know why. E three is just the big one. You know, because there's Tokyo Game Show and Consumer Electronics Show and all that. But for some reason, E three is is the one though that like I'll actually be watching live stuff of. You know. TGS and and PAX and all that, you know, they have their announcements that I'll see the next day or whatever, but E3 I'm usually watching live coverage of.
1: Yeah, the the thing about, like, I think about CES and shows like that that are more geared towards technical, you know, advancements rather than just video games. It attracts a lot of nerds, but, like, the action of the... The the pacing of the event can be boring frequently um, between event to event, and also CES is just so huge that you might not even be seeing the full scope of it, so, yeah, there's that.
0: Well, we probably have, uh, we've got a little bit of time to chat about what we've been playing, uh, which is good that we don't have, uh, you know, it, it it's a good week to not have too much time, because, boy, uh, I've just played another week of Return. I, I've i only played Returnal this week. I um,
1: I played a game over the weekend, uh, I I appreciate a lot more than I thought I was going to but I'll let you talk about Returnal first if you want sure sure so yeah I just played it for another week and you know
0: last week I was saying like gosh there's a lot of stuff I really like about this game pretty much nothing I don't like about it but I was worried about like it's longevity uh, as a roguelike or like how random is it really Um, and that kind of thing and you know how much more am I going to play it uh, I am fully on board now. Returnal is a fantastic game. It is like an absolute recommendation from How me. How far this did game you get into it
1: though? Because you said before great. it was kind of basic. So,
0: uh, yeah. So the thing is, it turns out that it it uh like a good roguelike, like honestly that wants to kind of ease you into the mechanics. It turns out that um there's a lot more to be seen. Sort of as you get into it, as you get into it, it uh, more, it starts to feel more random, uh, and here's why. So there's the it, it's got two different cycles, basically, as in like it's got three area. There's a it's a three area run, right? Uh, and once again, real quick, this is a sci-fi third-person shooter that's kind of horrorish, um, and uh, it, it it looks world map wise as you're running around uh, it looks like Metroid Prime where you're on an alien planet and and uh, and it's got you know separate rooms with combat in them and there's doors um, but it's a it's a rogue where it's like okay, here's the main path there's a couple side paths and then there's a boss at the end and then you're to the next area yeah and it's a third person shooter uh, So there's three areas. And then you beat it, right? But then you wake up in, like, a different area one, and you can play through the game again, and there's another three areas. Except it kind of starts where the last one left in a certain way. It's kind of hard to explain a little bit. Um, But basically it's definitely, like, an act one and then an act two, except they are two different runs. You know what I mean? Uh, where Act Two has harder enemies, harder areas, more advanced weapons. Uh, but you can do Act One or Act Two at any time. You can do a run of either one. You know, so I did Act One. I did Act Two. That's about where I was last time we talked. I you know I played through both the acts, all six areas, and I was like, okay, cool. But you know, it's missing a little bit of that. It's missing a little bit of that drive of like I need to. I need to go back because the runs are so different, you know? But there was one thing, which was that um, I mentioned briefly that all of the enemies have, like, research levels, where the more you kill an enemy, the more its research level goes up, and then you get, like, a blurb more of text in your codec about it. And I was like, okay, you know what, I'm going to fill out a few more of those. Also, there's some collectibles, right? There's all these scout logs that are, like, audio logs that kind of give a little bit more story. Um, and there's, uh, like these glyphs that you have to find, right? There's some collectibles. And I'm like, I'm going to find more collectibles. So here's the deal. I, I did a few more runs just to kind of get more collectibles. And as I've been doing that, more stuff's been opening up oh. in a, uh, like, um, Can, can I ask first... this? When, when you mm-hmm.
1: unlock more weapons or, or such, whenever you unlock more things in general, does the game get more visually appealing?
0: Uh well, the different we- yeah, the different weapons do look different. Yeah. Um in a cool way. Uh, cool. so weapons are a big part of it. Um so let me just give the the two things. Gameplay wise, uh it's you know, I, I started doing some more runs just to find more collectibles. Then I also decided, um, so how the weapons work is I mentioned before that they aren't really random enough, you know? There's a few
1: different weapon types, but I didn't think that they were random enough. Turns Um, out... So, before you go into the... Can I I actually, like, establish a little bit of a setting? Because this is kind of what I was missing last time when I was... uh, Okay. So, I had no idea what Returnal looked like um, uh, during our podcast last time. And I looked up Returnal afterwards, like, footage of it. And it seemed like it was almost like if you were to interpret uh, for some people who... May not know what a shmup is—a shoot 'em up, where it's one of those kind of like bullet hell games, where it's like you're avoiding a thousand goddamn bullets as this tiny little spaceship on a screen. So, <clears throat> I looked it up and it's, I saw. Yeah. I looked it up and I saw that there's video where, like, essentially you're a third-person kind of shooter perspective, except it's still kind of bullet hell, where there's just a thousand things to dodge, and of course they're they're bright and shiny and visually appealing to to go. Oh shit! There's something here, and your brain has to go dodge it so i've seen that it happens like that in a 3d space where instead of uh if you're looking at a 2d flat space screen you just move to avoid bullets this is like a 3d space where you're you're fighting the x and y axis you're 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 going xyz and going fuck get out of this way get out of this way get out of this way and it sounds the same on paper but in a 3d space it's very different so like it has to be visually pretty fucking cool looking in a 3d environment Totally. So I, yeah, like gameplay wise,
0: I mean, I'd liken it a little bit to like the new Doom games where, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of movement and jumping around the room to stay mobile while you try to like prioritize your threats and quickly take them down one at a time, you know, Uh, but visually, though. Um, yeah, there's a lot of like bullet sprays. Uh, like if you've seen shmups or like bullet hell ones specifically, a lot of the time the bullet sprays from the enemies just look really cool because of like the pattern that they're shooting out bullets in. That happens in this game in a 3D environment, and the bullets move kind of slowly. You know, they so so most of the enemies that shoot projectiles, they're like uh, they're they're like a big orb that moves pretty slowly, and they'll shoot him out in, like, a pattern that you're like, whoa, first of all, it looks cool, and then also, I get it, you know? Oh, this guy shoots out a ring all around him, but the ring is, like, angled so that if I don't move, it'll hit me. But it's just a matter of jumping over the ring, you know? So it's almost like a shockwave, except it's a ring of bullets, and it looks cool, right? Or, like, some guys shoot directly at you. Uh, And then there's some other things, too. Some guys don't shoot, like, a big orb, but rather there's these little, like, glowy bits that move a lot faster and arc and stuff. So those ones, there's this really weird effect where you see this whole thing of, like, just little glowy bits just kind of flying at you, and they're moving pretty quick, and it's kind of hard to tell where exactly they are. But the bloom effect of the game almost kind of... Uh, uh what's the word? Uh the, the bloom effect like tells you sort of like when you need to dodge because you can see when they're close to you because they're starting to brighten up more and you're like, oh, oh god, okay, they're okay. starting to get bright. Now I need to dodge, you know. That's that a clever
1: of use of technology, actually. Um
0: yeah, it looks really great. Uh, and so, so yeah, that's kind of, so, you know, you're jumping around, you're using your dodge a lot, you're shooting dudes, but you also have a melee if guys get close to you, uh, and all that kind of stuff, and so there's just a lot, lots of particle effects, I've heard someone describe the game as particle porn, and, (laughs) you know, it, it, yeah, there's a lot of particle effects. Something else I didn't mention last time. This is made by the company that made Rezogun, Gun.
1: Yeah, a, yeah. I actually yeah. meant to bring this up. So Rezogun, I wanted to bring this up because it was the only game that this developer made that I recognized, which is it's a PS1, or I'm sorry, PS4 uh PlayStation Network a game that like it was free for like a month early on into the PS4 lifespan. Yeah, I might um, even
0: say it was the first free PS Plus game. Could have been, th- been. I think it was.
1: Yeah, th- there's a good chance. Um, I played it at my friend's house when he had a PS4 new, Um, and we played it And in- Okay, so imagine a shmup game, except it's uh on a level that is infinite. So instead of you going from left to the right side of a screen you are going from, you know, left to right or right to left in a cylinder. Like, you're kind of like a projector screen. <clears throat> but, like, it's there's a game called Hello Kitty Milk... Not, no, it's not Hello Kitty. Let me stop you for a second. Sorry. Go ahead. Have you
0: guys played fucking Defender? It's no. like Defender. Oh, my God. Okay, so Resogun is exactly like Defender, except, you know, it's visually portrayed as a cylinder. Uh, mm. But, yeah. So There you yeah, go. <laughs> there's there's
1: a game called uh, Aqua Kitty Milk Mine Defender, which is uh, a game where you essentially are a kitty in a little submarine, and your point is to go around shooting threats to other kitties that are in little deep-sea diver suits that are mining milk at the bottom of the ocean. Um, it's the same exact game as that. You, you prevent kitties from getting abducted and going to the sky and getting into the surface of water and going off, and then you also you know, shoot enemies. It's, it's it's a shooter game. It's just in an infinite fashion on like a cylinder playing field, like a cylindrical... Imagine you were playing a game that was being sent through a projector rather than a monitor. It's being projected onto a cylinder, except you can go all the way around that cylinder if you want, and there's different information on different parts of the cylinder. You know what I mean? So it's it's pretty cool. Like Gun made it so... It was like this weird virtual shmup because it didn't have the typical look to a shmup. It was like it, it was had like a voxel look to it. If you turned Tron into a shmup, I would say that's what Rezogun looked like. And that game was so good. So Rezogun being the example of like the shining example versus this game.
0: Yeah, so Rezogun was like the PS4 particle porn. Like, hey, look what mm. we can do with all these particles, you know? And Returnal is kind of like they're doing it again, you know? But yeah, so so that that's what drove me early on was I'm going to get these collectibles. And when I was doing a few more runs to get the collectibles, also, by the way, I should say first and foremost what drove me to play more was the fact that it's fucking fun. Like, mm. the combat is really fun. So at the time that I had only beaten Act 1 and then beat Act 2... I wasn't done with it yet just because it was fun. I was only worried about how much it was going to last, you know? So, started playing it a bit more. Really liked getting the collectibles. Then the weapons, I think, are gameplay-wise what really started to shine and what is continuing to shine as I play it all week. Uh, because I mentioned before that, like, they there's... I had seen, like, six different weapon types or so. Well, now there's like ten different weapon types, Uh, and uh, they—I mentioned something about how it's not quite like Borderlands, where they get like wacky, wild, different. You know, it's more confined, and that they roll with—they do roll with these random traits to them, but the traits don't make them that different. Well, turns out, I just hadn't unlocked a lot of the traits yet. <laughs> and you have to use a what. We- so what happens in the game is, let's say, uh, so there's a trait for the machine gun, the, or like the, the, the rifle, that makes it shoot slower but more powerful, right? Uh, let's say you find one and it rolled with that trait. The thing is you see it and the trait is locked and you have to actually use the weapon and get a certain number of kills with it to unlock that trait. Now it's permanently unlocked and every time that you find one of these guns that's rolled that trait, it has it, you know? And you that's don't have weird. to unlock it again. Uh, but what is extra about it is that a gun will only roll with one unlearned trait at a time. Meaning... If it's your first time seeing a gun, it doesn't have any traits, you know? It's just the basic bitch version of that gun, and you have to unlock your first trait with it. You unlock it, and you're like, okay, yeah, now the clip's a little bit bigger, I guess. You know, still feels mostly the same, and that's kind of where I was at before. But then it's like, okay, next time you find one, hey, it's got that extended clip that you already unlocked, but now it's opened up room to roll another Not unlocked trait, uh, Uh, and so the guns can get like four traits on them, you know, out of a pool of 10, maybe, right? And so, and that's per weapon type. So, one, so I I started playing in a way where I'm always using the guns where I haven't unlocked the traits with yet, you know. If some, if I'm using a gun where, where I've unlocked every or that where like it's not actively researching a trait and I find another one that has one that I haven't unlocked yet, it's an automatic swap, you know, even if I don't like it as much. Mm. Uh, And I've been playing that way now, and I'm unlocking all these traits, and it's making the weapons feel way different from each other, you know? So
1: let me ask this. Um, So you, at at the very onset, were not a fan of the way that, like, I I guess you were kind of, your criticism being that it's like, okay, what else is your kind of general idea in the very beginning? How well does the game, on a scale of 1 to 10, how well does the game carry you from, okay, I guess these are the core mechanics, to here's where we're really having, having fun?
0: I, I feel like it did it super, super well. Because, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, I, I played through the Act 1 and Act 2 for story reasons, right? Of course you're going to play it until you roll the credits, right? And then I was like, well, I just want to, I'm still having fun. So I'm going to do another run. And, like, right away, you know, it was like, okay now shit's unlocking and like it's getting crazier you know the guns are getting e- e- even two guns of the same type now are starting to feel quite a bit different and all of the weapons in general are starting to feel better uh this or is, like this is
1: where i feel like it's in super important that we specify that this is a roguelike game which is meant to be played over and over yeah totally not um, something like you it and then go i'm done and then Oh, I guess I'll play again for it to get fun, you know. It's mm-hmm. like one of those games. Right,
0: right. Yeah, it's a game where like to quarter like when when you say you beat it once, you know, that's going to take uh well, I I think it it was like 15 hours is what my play time was the first like when the credits rolled, you know, meaning bad. like the the runs it, the run itself to beat it took like uh act 1 took like 4 hours and act 2 took like Four hours again, you know, and then there was another eight hours of dying in there, you know. Now I've gotten a lot faster, I've gotten a lot better, runs are getting down to like between two and three hours now to get through one, nice. and uh, but dude, like, the the weapons just feel so fun to use now uh, with these traits to unlock like, like, gameplay wise, it's getting so good uh, as far as that goes there's a couple weapon types where i got the first one where it didn't have anything unlocked and i'm like this weapon's trash you know i can't stand this thing you know but i like forced myself to use it a little bit so i could unlock a couple traits for it and now like one of them in particular the hollow seeker i thought that weapon was trash at first now it's like borderline overpowered What's like they might holoseeker? need to- they might need to nerf that thing. It's like a minigun, kind of. It's like the machine gun where it shoots lots of projectiles very fast, you know? And I don't know at- why,
1: but... Go ahead, go ahead.
0: Well, at first, I just thought it was really hard to hit shit with it, you know? Like, I, I you have to lead your targets, and, you know, so, like, every little hit that you got was just a tiny amount of damage because it's lots of projectiles. And I was just like, I don't know. This thing's kind of hard to use for how not much damage it's doing. But then, here are some of the traits that you start unlocking, though. Now I found one. It's got one called uh, Retarget, where when a bullet hits a dude it then turns to another dude and shoots him, you know? Ooh. So whoa, now it hits more things uh, at once. That's pretty cool. Then you get serrated projectiles. Okay, now it does damage over time when it hits. Nice. Cool. So it's doing a little bit of extra damage on the time. Then it unlocked something called portal beam where now when i start shooting it it spawns a portal that then starts shooting beams at shit <laughs> and it's awesome you know and and now there's like seven more traits that are like things like this and when the and when the gun rolls four of these at a time you know they feel it feels way different than the last one that you had and again now multiply this for every weapon type and suddenly 10 different weapons is a lot it, would you, you say know. that
1: the weapon choices available or at least the combination use of their thereof are uh are at least pretty creative um what what so uh, are, are you are, <laughs> i'm asking if the weapons you think are like actually fun because they're fun because their effects or because they're fun because of the idea of what they do are they actually creative weapons or is it like okay well this is a minigun oh, yeah here's an assault rifle here's a chain gun you know
0: So, totally both, because, like, at first, so there's one gun that's, like, the Mind Thrower from Resident Evil 4, where it's, like, it shoots a dart into a dude, and then the dart explodes, uh, like, a second later, right? And at first, I was like, cool, I really like the idea of this gun, it seems fun to use, but I didn't have anything unlocked for it, so I was kind of disappointed at how bad it was, you know, but that was because that was kind of before I realized how the game works and how you need to unlock all these traits, uh, so, at first, it was like, oh, this thing is cool because of how it works. Then, you start to unlock some traits, and now it's really cool because of how cool the traits are, you know? Uh, like, there's one that makes it explode twice instead of exploding once. Yeah. Um, and that kind of thing. And
1: the fact that you can have it to four is pretty cool.
0: Yeah, so, so, yeah, uh, gameplay-wise, I'm loving it. I want to talk about the other aspect of the game that really opened up as well, though, and that is that I didn't have much to say about the story before. Now I do. Ooh, so,
1: Because that that's what interested me the most.
0: Yeah, so I'm not going to get spoilery. I'm just going to say that this is a game where if you are all about gameplay, it's got all about gameplay and not much story is going to get in your way of the gameplay because you can just play the game if you want, right? Mm-hmm. This is one of those games where if you want story and you start really paying attention everything is connected in like symbolically and really cryptically and like allegorically uh everything makes this weird kind of sense where um uh I really want to give examples, but it's really tough without talking about things that are too much. Um, I, I
1: assume this is one of those games where you get the initial cutscenes, you get the all initial story and then the things that happen along alongside there's not really much that you can really tell without developing the plot.
0: Yeah, so it's one of those games where the first time you see the the ending, you're like, "What the fuck?" You know, <laughs> what it, what is this art house bullshit, you know? Uh, but then, like, the more, if you go back into your logs, those audio logs that you were getting before that were all just a bunch of nonsense, you know, and you start rereading them, you're like, oh, hang on, this connects to this, and that connects to that, uh, but it's all very cryptic, but the nice thing about cryptic stuff is, like, it's gotta be done right, you know, and this is one of those games, it reminds me a lot of one of my all-time favorite games, Killer7. Uh, Which is a game where the first time you play through it, nothing anybody says makes any sense. The cutscenes are a bunch of bullshit, and you just have no idea what happened, you know? But then the ending happens, and you're like, oh my god, holy shit. And then, like, you replay the game, and you start to pay attention to the fact that, like, Every single line of dialogue was written very specifically and means oh. something specific, you know? Now, returnal light doesn't, at least for me, it didn't have as big of a light bulb uh, by the ending, but it does have that like the more you reread things, the more you realize every word was carefully chosen, you know? and like then you start to look at the design of the enemies and stuff and you're like oh like this guy looks this way because like it's a reference to this thing um and yeah like there's a lot to unpack if you're into that kind of storytelling you yeah know?
1: W- which i totally am actually I-, I would love to find out the origin the-, the way that they frame the story itself is just fascinating to me in that it's it's someone who's encountered their own dead body in space which how do you get more interesting than that? That's that's my question.
0: Yeah, and uh, and, yeah, and and yeah, in that way, kind of like Hades, uh, it does a really good job of using the fact that it's roguelike and the fact that you're in a loop. It's using that as part of the story uh, to tell, you know, as part of the plot and the story. And then also it's very good as the player to have to see things repeated in order to start making the connections and stuff, you know? So, yeah. yeah. Um, gameplay real good story is turning out to be real good like last week I was like yeah it's good but I'm not sure uh, uh, you know overall and this week I'm like dude this game is it's something and people should play it holy shit it's good I really like it and I would like to play more of it
1: yeah it's probably going to be one of the first PS5 games I buy based off of what you said so far but <sighs> I'm just waiting I'm just waiting, waiting for the time to buy a uh, PS5 yeah. or Xbox 360. And for a lot of people, that time is going to be when it becomes available because a lot of people can't buy them. But for me, that time is going to be when they figure out how to make their games not bricked in eight years.
0: Ah, uh, yeah. So you're waiting on that. that yeah, that makes sense.
1: Woo That's boy. where I'm putting my money. when When they choose to fix their hardware problems that are baked into the cake that were never a problem until just recently uh, that's when they'll get my hundred bucks or a couple of them or so.
0: Yeah. I hear you there. Well, that's so, it. That's, that's my uh recap on this week in Returnal. I didn't play anything else.
1: Yeah. And we are actually at the exactly at the midnight point for me. Um, I don't have, I had, I had a good bit to, uh, to say about Tekken eight. Um, but I think that, okay, well, I guess spoiler alert. <laughs> Tekken eight <laughs> was the game I've been playing. Um, uh, Oh, fuck, actually, is it Tekken 8 or Tekken 7? I think it's, it's maybe <laughs> Tekken 7. It, there's, it's one of those games where there's been so many. It's Tekken 7. And one of those games where there's been so many, it's just like, fuck, what are we on now? <laughs> but uh, I, I, I have things to say about Tekken 7, but I've only played through the main storyline, and I'm not going to be commenting too much about the competitive aspects of it as a fighting game, but rather it's interesting storytelling. Um, and how it does its single-player mode. I, I'm excited to talk about that, but I want to develop it a little bit more because I've only done the main storyline, which is known as the Mishima storyline, which is the story of the Mishima bloodline in the Tekken universe. There's a bunch more single-player one-off campaigns to do that actually involve the rest of the characters of the series. So it, probably better to save time now and have a little bit more armed knowledge with it later. I think we went a little bit longer into the, our first topic, which I expected us to. Um, which was just how crazy the fucking video game market has been lately. Yeah. Um, I don't
0: think... Are you wearing
1: a Daggerfall shirt, by the way? Oh, I totally am, yeah. So, uh, (laughs) I guess a little interesting aside, I played Daggerfall, the Elder Scrolls Two game, um, for probably all of 20 minutes. (laughs) 20 Mm -hmm. minutes in the DOS version before I gave up. Um, However, I saw LGR... Anyone who knows that show, anyone who knows us, probably knows LGR. Uh, wearing this shirt on a video one day, and I go, "Oh my god, that's fucking amazing artwork!" It's this actually like sweet looking like sorcerer mummy. Yeah, like, I
0: was gonna story. ask, like, is there a metal band named Daggerfall? Because I only know the Elder Scrolls game.
1: <laughs> this is just an Elder Scrolls Two game uh, shirt. It's officially merch. officially licensed merch that you can buy right now from Bethesda. Actually, if they still they still sell it. Um, but I was such a huge fan of the box art of Elder Scrolls 2 Daggerfall when I saw it on LGR's channel. I was like, fucking cool. Maybe I should check out Daggerfall. I check out Daggerfall and it, I, this is before I started streaming. So this is before the time at which I have decided if I don't have immediate interest in a game right away, I'm not going to play it because it's not going to hold my attention span and Daggerfall fell into that victim trap for me because it's so complex as as like a DOS game versus something like Doom, which is like you can just jump into it and know what the fuck you're doing in, in five minutes, um, that it, I found it intimidating. That said, there is a current mod going on right now where the whole Daggerfall game is being redone in the Unity engine, which means... Mm-hmm. And I, I played a little bit of the beta, by the way, um it's not quite as smooth as a client like GZ doom would be to load uh, wad files but it's close and i recommend hmm. it. if you like if you like daggerfall or if you want to excuse me if you want to play daggerfall in a method that allows you to play it in like a way that you're not going to have like like doom, you're going to play it with your mo- your modern 1080p monitor or whatever you're going to play it at 60 frames a second it's going to run smoothly and uh, you're at the mercy of the dev team. But, you know, <laughs> it, it runs well. And uh, I, I do recommend checking out the mod. It is free right now. Um, but, yeah, Daggerfall shirt. I was I was super into the way it looked. This is my I'm wearing an ACDC shirt moment, uh, even though I've never even heard of the band in my life. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Speaking of uh, you mentioned Doom, I just got uh, Nicole got me this Cacodemon shirt, but he's all cute. That's, that is adorable. That? I
1: love cute. that. That's adorable, Beautiful yeah. Cacodemon. Does all it have right. the butthole in the back? Well, uh... Listen. <laughs> I, w- <laughs> I can only pay you to do so much, which is not pay you at all to turn around. Um,
0: so, I think, good idea on Tekken. Uh, in fact, if you're saying that the the story is told in an interesting way, then maybe next week we could just talk about how stories are told in different fighting games, perhaps. You know, just yes. talk about that in general.
1: I could talk about that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'd be interested. All right. Well, I think that's gonna wrap it up then. Well, thanks very much for listening. Uh, I had a, a good discussion. Hopefully, you know. Hopefully, you enjoyed and all that good stuff. Hope to see you again. I had a great time.
1: See you, buddy. Hope y'all see. Oh, I hope I see y'all next Tuesday.
0: See you later. Bye, guys.